Forwards Backwards podcast, not from the corner of Glenway and Monroe, and not from the Gimme Some Truth studios. This week, we discuss whether Forward Madison is responsible for destroying Facebook, WhatsApp, and Instagram, whether one should get medical advice from Twitter, and I guess we could talk about the revolution in New England. As always, I'm joined by the Bertrand Russell, to my Ludwig Wittgenstein, Kyle Carr, the hardest working man in Madison sports podcasting. Dan Fallon is blissfully unaware. Kyle, what's the best, in honor, in fact, of Mo Salah's strike against Man City, what's the best goal you've ever seen watching uh, live? You know, not like in a highlight, but you were actually watching the match. You didn't have to be there in person, but you were actually watching the match as it was ongoing. Fun fact, uh, Christian Ramirez of Minnesota United had a bicycle kick in the NASL days. So that was, I think, 2014, 2015 against Indy 11. It was phenomenal. Um, so I would say that was probably one of the top goals, goals I saw. And then the other one, I guess there was a time when I went to Chelsea versus AC Milan when they're doing their you know, America Intercontinental Cup, and they had played at the new U.S. Bank Stadium over in Minnesota. Um, there was a very, I don't know who it was. I forgot. It was a Chelsea player who did a very impressive dribble through the defense and scored. So I say those were the top two that I've seen live. Um, I was going with, and I'm, I'm bringing up this, I was even going to bring up the sound in the background here, uh, is the, one of the best ones I ever saw. And it's kind of here in the background. In person, I was there when uh, uh, Juan Agudelo scored uh, a Thierry Henry-esque goal where the, the ball was passed behind him against D.C. United, and he flicked it up to himself, and he hit it in. Um, I also saw the one where Thierry Henry did the, like, where he leaned against the goal. He was so proud of that goal. Um, I think any goal that I've seen Thierry Henry score is up near the top just because it's Thierry Henry, and he's just so silky smooth. But the Juan Agudelo one where it was like played behind him and he flicked it up to himself and then he volleyed it in was pretty damn cool, especially as Thierry Henry was on the team at the time. Juan Agudelo obviously was learning a lot from Thierry Henry, all of that. That was a pretty awesome goal uh, back in the back in the day. That Mohamed Salah goal, however, was uh, up there. Uh, that was uh, an impressive goal. It reminded me, I don't know if you remember a couple years ago, he scored a similar one against Tottenham Hotspur where it was like Spurs had had scored and I, I think even went up and it was on a, a kind of questionable PK, we'll call it. I think Harry Kane may have done a little uh, diving in the box, if you will. Uh, not that you know Harry Kane would ever dive in the box. And Mohamed Salah just decided he was going to score. And it was very similar. Um, and it just you could just tell all of a sudden when Salah got the ball on that one, he was going to score. Um, so that, like, the, the whole atmosphere of that goal. And, and it happened, and you're just like, holy cow, did that actually happen? And a good reminder, uh, despite what maybe the 4 o'clock slot on Friday uh, may have had us doing, soccer can be tons and tons of fun. Yeah, there were plenty of matches over the weekend that would reinforce the idea that this sport is enjoyable to watch. Um, There could even be suggestions that a Friday match could be enjoyable to watch. 
it just wasn't at 4 p.m. over in Foxborough, Massachusetts. That That is the issue. It was not that. And, yes, I do remember that Mo Salah goal. That was – I think that one also ended 2-2, ironically enough. Yeah. So, no, it was there, – there, there was plenty of good matches over the weekend. The the other Friday match was that a, an FC uh, Cone match there on Friday afternoon because the Bulls- there was exactly yeah there was a FC and Cole match and they had gone down one zero at halftime and ended up winning three one and some of the goals were one of them was a at the end the third one a beautiful beautiful counterattack like textbook counterattack couldn't have seen it any better sealed the game it was great to watch this that team is good that team's a lot of fun. Um, I, I am starting to get into, they visited, uh, uh, you know, uh, here, uh, played against forward Madison Hertha Berlin, uh, since, you know, my, uh, my lady friend lives in Berlin. I've decided that will be my Bundesliga rooting interest. Um, other than whatever Jesse Marsh does, because Jesse Marsh is of course, uh, you know, the greatest American since Benjamin Franklin. Um, and just so much fun to, to watch. Um, coach, there are other greater Americans between Jesse Marsh and, and Ben Franklin. Um, but you know, I think Jesse Marsh is much like Ben Franklin in the court of Louis, Louis, the, uh, the 15th in France, uh, you know, just winning over Europeans like Ben Franklin, um, is he winning over Europeans? like he's doing what he needs to do. I don't know about the, he, he has not had the best of goes in the champions league. Unfortunately, um, that has been a little tough for him to stomach in the league, it's been topsy-turvy. I do think, think, however, they're going to give him some time because they did sell his two best center backs. Well, Um, I was going to say, he he came in with none of his center backs that would have been there last year, and now their best midfielder is eventually going to leave. It is kind of tough when you know, I don't have the top two center backs I wanted, and my midfielder is going to leave. I still am working in a couple new attackers. Although some of their attackers are really good, so yeah, no, I mean that that Leipzig team is always fun to watch. You're always looking for somebody that's going to challenge, you know, FC Hollywood in that, um, you know, setup, and and you know who is it going to be? Uh, it, it's a little harder, I think, in the the Bundesliga just because of the fifty plus one rules. You know, it, in some senses, in many cases, these rules kind of lock in. Uh, whoever's in the lead there and so on and so forth. Um, now, uh, on to important matters. Uh, took my blood pressure, and I, here's what I'm going to say, blood pressure-wise. Dr. Depeche Navasario refused to give me any advice on, on Twitter. Uh, he said he's a pediatrician, um, and you know that's, that's, his, that's not his, his job, which I'll accept. I'll accept that. Uh, uh, I will just say I've been working on it. And the average is now getting closer to 90, 95 when I monitor my blood pressure from the 105, 110 it was 10 days ago. So I'm feeling good. I'm progressing. I had a salad for lunch. Uh, There was a crumble cookie in the office today, and that was really hard to resist. But I only ate a a quarter, three quarters, maybe. I didn't eat a whole cookie. So I'm feeling good about that. What all was in the salad? Uh, the salad was walnuts, goat cheese, uh, a little vinaigrette, uh, field greens, and uh, some dried cranberries. Okay, a, so it was actually a healthy salad, not yeah. just, you know, a I'm just going to throw a bunch of shit in and call it a salad. No, it was not. So I go to a grocery store on Monday and stock up on their prepackaged salads, 
I have a, uh, a low sodium uh, dressing I use to, to, you know, keep that in line. Um, and so I, I'm working on it. I figure if I lose some weight, I also had a banana for lunch, um, you know, or for breakfast, I should say. Um, so I'm, and I, the other thing I'm trying to do very hard is I love Gatorade, um, but Gatorade very high in sodium. Yeah, that's definitely not. Yeah. So um, I'm I'm eliminating the Gatorade. I'm trying to stick to water and coffee. So we're making progress. Um, you know, I had, don't, a, I had a cheat. I had a bad breakfast. I will say my breakfast was not healthy. It was McDonald's. You know, by the way, how disappointed was I when I learned McDonald's no longer does all day breakfast? They switched back. Wait, what? You, you didn't know this? No. They've they've left all day breakfast behind. Oh my god! Yeah, what a That's terrible bullshit. idea. Yeah, uh, just awful. What what do you go with? What's your? Do you have a standard McDonald's breakfast, or do you mix it up? I normally get a sausage McMuffin, a hash brown, a coffee, and depending on how hungry I am, or if I know I'm not going to eat lunch for a while, then I'll grab like a muffin. What do you do? Sausage McMuffin, no egg. Do you do sausage? No egg. No yeah, egg. That's that's. A hockey puck, as it's known in the Ponywas family. I like a, a couple of hockey pucks, maybe a, a, a hash brown. And then uh, I do like their orange juice. I don't know what it is about their orange juice. It's overly sweet, but it's still pretty good. Yeah, the orange juice is solid. I just know, like, I need coffee. I, I know that yeah. about myself. Like today, walking to the office, there was the coffee machine was broken on my floor. So I had to walk to the fourth floor to get the good coffee. And then the other time I had to walk to the sixth floor just to kind of get the last cup of just like so walking upstairs that is i actually had to exercise it was bs <laughs> well you know that's good for you that you should you know do some, some I, stair I know, walking during I, I do enough day. walks i walk the dog i push the stroller i do enough walks you don't need to mix them into your work day i like having them just because it it breaks life up um and and you know moves things around and and during the day i think it helps you focus you know, like a good 10 minute walk outside. If I can, I try to come home at lunch to walk Paisley because it, you know, it just distracts you. Speaking of distracting you, have we spent enough time not talking about forward Madison yet? Uh, no, I think we can probably find some other things to talk about. To be honest, I am trying to wrestle this cord for my son's hand. So that's been fun. Um, that that's enough of a distraction, right? Having a, I, we have, we have a baby on here. So yeah. And maybe the, maybe the, the baby has some comments. You got anything to say? He shook his head. No, um, that, yeah, that was I, actually very good. I, I saw that. I saw the, the head shake. Now, how old is, this is not Sterling. This is, uh, this is good old Desmond, and he is four months. Four yeah. months now for Desmond. And how old is Sterling? He'll be two on Christmas. That's the Holy wild part. Holy Toledo. Now, yeah, now Sterling is a Christmas baby. Yes. And how have you dealt with the people try to you know sneak in two presents for the price of one here? Uh, no one's done that. It's, if anything, it's been the opposite. Optilee's sister is a Christmas baby, as is, um, or she's, I think, December Boxing Day, I think. Okay. Um, and then as is, I think Lee's dad, I think they have the same birthday up to Lee's dad. Dang. Um, and this was always a challenge, right? Cause you're, you know, people are going to try to two for, two for one on the gifts. Yeah, no, it's been the opposite where they've bought, they bought double the amount. It's like, well, we bought them gifts for Christmas and we bought them gifts for his birthday. So the Christmas gifts, we open on Christmas Eve and his birthday gifts get open on Christmas. 
he got a lot of shit and I feel like it's going to be worse this year because now he can actually play with the toys and, you know, use the stuff that's given to him. So yeah, well, we'll see how it turns when he gets older, but no one has tried doing the two for one. If anything, they just gave him twice the amount of gifts for his birthday. It's yeah. Um, well, that's good. Yeah. You have, you have a more generous family. Um, you know, for we now, try to, we try to, yeah, we try to get through a, with as little giving as possible. Um, for a while, we had actually negotiated with my mother to eliminate Christmas cards, um, which I was pretty proud of because Christmas cards, cards are expensive. They're like five or six bucks now. Yeah, that's kind of the tough part. Well, I just go to Dollar Tree and buy the card. Like, keep it simple. I just go to Dollar Tree. They're good enough. No one actually reads it. As long as there's money or a gift card, no one cares. Just go to Dollar Tree this or just put in an envelope, to be honest. I'm, yeah. This is more strategizing than I'm capable of. Um, you know, that much. Well, now that I actually have to like mail stuff, because before I would just like hand it to my parents and my parents would ship it to my grandma and my aunts and my cousins. Now I have to do it on my own. So it's like, well, let's just buy a bulk thing of stamps, a bulk thing of envelopes. And we'll just send it our, and we'll just have to do it that way. My, my life hack, what my grandfather would do is New Year's Day. He would do all of his cards for the year and then have the dates in the upper corner of the card and he'd like file them. And so through the year he knew, you know, he'd have like, you know, November da, 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 and just go through it. Um, a very well-organized man, my grandfather, uh, had a very good, I'm not that organized, but I like the idea. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just doing, doing him once and then having him ready, uh, makes a lot of sense. So, uh, one, nothing, um, on on Friday night, before we review that, uh, uh, Henny Derby, Henny Darby coming up again. Uh, I think we previewed it before. We got ready for it before uh, Wednesday night. Uh, we go and we play 5.30 in Richmond. Um, are you ready? How you feeling? What, what, what's, what's going on? Like... I'm telling myself it's okay if they don't win this one because they still have one more game to get the trophy. But at this point, I they got four more road games after this. And two are against Richmond. One is Revs 2 again, and the other is Omaha. And right now, this is probably their best chance at a win. It's a Wednesday, so it might not be as packed. You know, it, it, This is the more ideal situation. I think if you're going to try and etch out a win, this is probably your best chance. Like this, it's probably this game. And I don't know when you talk about a team that hasn't won a road game since May, um, a team that has not scored more than two goals since May, and a team that has not kept a clean sheet since the last Henny Derby against a team that has the most informed striker in the league, it's definitely not feeling great. Like, obviously, you never know what's going to happen. All it takes is for them to score one goal, and maybe they can hold on potentially. But, yeah, this team is running out of answers and running out of solutions. And they got to win it. They got to win this week, not only for the sake of the Henny Derby, but also for their own playoff chances. I mean – you know the, the the playoff chances are a uh, a bogey that are, is receding fast. Let's just put it that way. Um, it is it is you know we're not going to talk about it because really our goal you know generally is to focus match by match. 
not get into the baseless speculation. I'm sure somebody somewhere has run all of the, the permutations for us. Um, so, you know, it's not, not something I'm interested in getting into. Um, Richmond coming in on a little bit of a hot streak though. That's the the trouble here, right? I mean, if you look at what Richmond has done and over the last couple of matches, they've played a little bit better. They, they, um, you know, came out on, on Friday night. They're playing a little bit better, but again, they seem a little bit like, uh, you know, forward in that they're kind of hanging around, not, you know, making progress moving forward in quite the same way, but they are, you know, they beat Chattanooga who were, you know, who are depending on what day of the week it is, top of the table, one, nothing, um, you know, their, their last, their last couple of matches, you know, have been, they, they beat Toronto too. Now they lost to us and lost to revs too, but you know, they're, they're on a two game winning streak coming into this. So that, you know, compared to our form, uh, there's a little better we could say. So, yeah, it's definitely going to be interesting how they do, because it's still a relatively inconsistent, I guess inconsistent would be the word to suit them. And there's not like they're, you know, scoring goals left and right. Like they're still scraping out like one zeros, like one goal wins. It's not a super, I guess it's not like they're blowing teams away. They're still winning, but they're not blowing teams away. Yeah, I mean, I think um, in some sense, and apologies for any background noise, but I'm uh, uh, moving around because we're having some connectivity difficulties uh, uh, right now on the on the podcast. Um, one thing I'll, I'll say is, you know, when you have a guy like Emil Terzaghi as well, and you're, you know, Richmond, you can count on him to kind of get you one if you need in some senses, you know? And so that, that makes them more dangerous than maybe forward right now who – had Keegan, who was getting us one, and is now kind of fading away a little bit and hasn't been as productive, though I would say that's less his fault and more that he's just not getting served. This team can't score. This team is struggling. It seems like a team that's run out of ideas. Yeah, and so, uh, you know, one of the things that we had on our list um, and, and uh, was we noticed that the team has switched formations. Um, you know, we first saw it, I think, about the 70th minute, I rewatched actually after the podcast last week, the, which, you know, I'm a glutton for punishment, second half of the, the match uh, a couple of weeks ago. And what they, they switched in, they dropped Tyler Ad- Allen at about the 70th minute into a right back position. Uh, they slid, you know, Gebhardt, they kept him there. They, they went with four kind of across midfield, not even really a diamond, but more of a uh, classic English 4-4-2, a Newcastle in the 90s 4-4-2. Uh, and then we went to four in the back again. We saw the return of, uh, of Pato Diaz um, in, the, in the sort of second half of the uh, game, his first appearance since uh, August. So, you know, overall, um, you, you uh, were sort of cheering the, the – uh, elimination, we'll say, of the of the four four two. Yeah, it's definitely one of those where, especially when Pato came back, that was their best stretch in that match. Was when they went with the four four two, and it seemed like when they brought Pato on, they're able to shift Tyler Allen back out to the left, have at the time Sierkowski and Keegan up top, get Barn on the right, and then 
uh, let's see, it was Enriquez and Jeff and Malloy in the midfield. And that was good. It was working. And even though they couldn't score a goal, at least there was more chances. I felt like maybe they'll get something out of nothing. It was getting better. And I think it's now to the point where the three, five, two has been found out. I think teams have figured out how to exploit it. I think it's gotten, you know, it's good for when you need to try and bunker down and not allow too many chances. But this was the first match in, I don't know how long that forward Madison had the majority of shots, the majority of big of chances and the majority of shots on target, especially that hasn't happened in a while. And I think that's because a lot of it had to do with the shift to that four, four, two formation. Now, I think that should be brought like four in the back should be there now. Now that Pato's healthy, there's no excuse to not go with that four in the back. And Giro's eventually getting back. Cyrus Rack can play out left. It's definitely time to kind of abandon the three five two. There's no reason to not use it anymore. I think now it's kind of a let's go with the back four. It seems to be a better idea to not only get the attack more involved. But also, just it just feels like you need to try and so you'd have to try something different. Um, yeah, well, and and like you're saying, we're the team is starting to feel like they're out of ideas. It's one of the things that I think you know tactically, uh, a lot of coaches will mention with the the three five two, uh, three in the back formation that it does limit sort of the way that you can play um, in a lot of ways. Uh, it 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 is more you might say predictable. Um, in terms of coming up with offensive ideas, you know, one thing, there are a couple of things that I want to say on this. The, the first is, you know, um, and, and Chairman Schmidt has been particularly vocal about this, both in uh, his Twitter feed and on his new uh, blog, New Dogma Zine, which I recommend you check out, especially now. Uh, they've added, they have a piece from me that we were originally going to do like a hard copy zine um but just wasn't the interest so it kind of got converted into a blog which is cool um but one of the things is you know he said you know teams would or or we'd rather you know watch and see the team you know lose four three than than draw one one or or something to that extent and it's hard to simply switch flip a switch and have a team score four goals uh even if you're you know, like we're not going to play any defense. We're just going to attack. Um, there, there are a variety of reasons for that. One is generally, you know, I think the, the defenders at this level, um, just generally in soccer, it's easier to play defense than, than offense. Um, second, you know, the fluidity to be able to handle a well-organized defense and, and break it down is very, very difficult. Um, and so, you know, there's a, a sense that, you know, it may be too late in the season to see this team, at least, you know, from my perspective, start all of a sudden scoring goals. That doesn't mean they, however, they can't do better than they have. Now you brought up, you know, the shots uh, statistic. Uh, both teams had three shots on goal. One thing I'll note, though, is two of our three were long distance bombs, one from Sarakowski from about 30 yards out and one from Malloy from about 35 yards out, that unless, you know, Malloy can do it on occasion, um, but unless you really catch that, it's going to have a hard time beating a goalkeeper. Um, so n- something needs to be done to get us 
chances um, to get us better chances. We are actually, uh, as they mentioned during the broadcast, they were talking with Clint P from, from uh, uh, new England revolution Two, a guy I remember watching long ago. Um, and he, he basically, you know, they were talking about expected goals. And one of the interesting statistics is Ford Madison is dead last in expected goals right now. So something needs to happen on the offense. And I thought when we started the year, we had a, a clear idea of how we wanted to attack, how we wanted to move forward. Um, but, you know, um, we, we really have gone backwards. And that's, to my mind, even more frustrating, I would say. I don't know how you feel about that, but, you know, that's where I'm seeing that. Yeah, it's definitely a – there's just no ideas. There's no I, – I, I don't know, like – it's not that there's not the talent. Like we know Derek Gebhardt has the talent. We've seen Jay Keegan play at that level. We know Sierkowski can do it. I am so sorry about this. All right. So they are just absolutely not having the ideas or not. I don't know what's going on. Like to be last in goal scored, to be last in expected goals, to pretty much be at the bottom at conversion rate, everything would indicate Nothing this team does works, or at the very least, nothing this team does is working well enough. And I, I don't know how you change. I mean, it's kind of late to change it this late in season. Maybe it's to change of formation. Maybe it's just more getting Malloy more involved. It maybe it's simply luck is going to turn around. But there, last year was turgid to the fact that we didn't know how they're going to score goals. We didn't know how it's going to how that anything was going to happen. This year, we kind of get an idea of what they're trying to do, but it's just not working. It's just blunt. It's just inefficient. And like I said, this team has not scored more than two goals since May, which was their last road win against Tormenta. Even if I'm not saying they need to go out and score three or four goals every week. I'm not even saying they have to score two goals. But I think if you need, if you're winning 1-0, there needs to be some belief that you can get a second goal and lead 2-0. If you are tied 1-1, you can get that second goal and then maybe get that third. If you're losing 0-1, you can get that last goal. Like, there just doesn't seem any of that. Yeah, I would say, in fact, you know, one of the, for me at least, and and slightly different from what you're saying, the first part of the year, we had an idea of how we wanted to play, what goals were going to look like, how we might score as the the year has gone on we've made a couple of changes I, you know early in the year pato was wide and then we moved him inside um it seems like the way we were we got away from almost in some sense what was working what was moving us forward and and you know we've become more i even think you know you you said sharp our attack just seems kind of blob like you know you, you, there's no a couple of times in the match on Friday, you saw guys make overlapping run runs, but there's no, there's none of that. This guy goes here. This guy goes here. He put, he has that option or that, you know, there's none of, you know, they call a lot of it, you know, patterns of play, that sort of thing, but there's just no, no clear ideas. You know, uh, you can say, yeah, what they're doing isn't working but I think they've even gotten away from trying the things that, that work, right? Okay. We want Gebhardt and Allen to do this. And it seems like Gebhardt and Allen's roles now 
have gotten less fixed and less clear to them as the season goes on. Whereas early in this year, it seemed very clear, Hey, we're going to get you the ball. You're going to go take guys on, move them inside. And we're going to have the outside backs overlapping you. And you can lay it out to them. Once you get inside, we want you moving inside towards Keegan towards, you know, the, the the striker. We're going to have those guys give us more width. If that happens, we're going to, you know, move, uh, Jepson and, 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 um, you know, whoever the other, uh, you know, either Jepson or Suko into support so that if we need to work it back, we have that. And then we're also going to have, you know, Molloy looking to play you guys making runs in or Keegan making runs wide or Keegan on, you know, it seemed like the ideas were clearer. Now it's just like, we're just, you know, yeah, we get it out wide, but those guys don't know whether they should go down the line or take guys on inside and they're doing both. So it, it, it just seems like the, you know, amorphous would be my fancy word for it. Blob like undefined, just kind of the attack has seemed like it had sharp lines early in the season. And now it just seems like it's kind of bled out everywhere. And some of that may be, you know, there just wasn't the, the, the conviction in what we were doing that to last us for the whole season when it maybe got a, a little bit off the rails. I don't know. Well, and it's also, I feel like we've said this before, but it feels like they're not attacking. Like, and by attacking me and they had the ball and they would go at you kind of like what you're saying, Alan and Gabbard would get the ball and go at someone. Maybe Malloy would have the ball and start taking like attacking them. Like even turbo, like dribbling out. Like it just seems like they're not trying to build from back to front. They're just kind of going wide, hoping for the best, and figure it out. Like it feels like the midfielders, like whether it was Jepson Suko or you know Enriquez or Perez, even Carlos Gomez. It just feels like none of them are taking the ball from the midfield and going at them. It's and that's part of that is because there's nowhere for them to go. But I feel like that's lacking as well. There's just no impetus. There's no threat when you have the ball. It's kind of a your best chance of scoring is on a counterattack, which. If that's our plan to try and hit teams up in the counter, then so be it. But then that has to be the plan. There has to be a plan on what to do when you're countering. And it doesn't even seem like there's that. You know, we we talk, we joked early in the year, thrust to penetration index ratio. Right now, we seem to have neither thrust nor penetration. It is, you know, it's just kind of, yeah. Um, and so I, I, you know, and I look, uh, I have said, time and time again, what I think the solutions are. Um, you know, if you're looking for a quick fix for the final couple of weeks of the, of the season in a, in a poor team, from my experience in, in coaching, you know, if you know you're not there in terms of the way you want to play soccer and you're getting ready for a, a play, you know, a, a playoff run or close of a season run or something like that, set pieces, you know, you just in practice spend the next, you know, however long, especially on the road, you bunker in, you try to nip one on set pieces, and then you work on counterattacks. And, and that's the frustrating thing for me is early in the season as well, our set pieces seem stronger. Now we can't even score on set pieces. Um, you know, this is, uh, you know, the, 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 you know, the, the, you build a good defense, you get your goals on set pieces, you get your goals on counterattacks. Then, you know, um, one of the the better coaches in lower division soccer in terms of results has been Bob Lilly, who's currently with the Pets over in Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh yeah, Pittsburgh River Hounds. I mean, I would say he, he would say that's what he builds his his team around. Right? Is these kind of concepts. So if we're looking for something just to get us results in the next couple of weeks, 
that's the easiest solution. I think building us into a team that can play fluid attacking, you know, early Arsenal, Manchester City versus Liverpool over the the weekend, you know, 2000s Arsenal, any of those teams, it's too late in the game for us to have that happen uh, in some sense. And so, you know, I think then it's take advantage, build out of what you can if you're trying to save this season, you know, especially if you're going on the road, um, you know, you're going to be tired with, we're on the road a lot here. Um, You know, if that's what you're trying to do, maybe that's where we see the save saving of the season set pieces, then, you know, fluid counterattacks. But one of my frustrations has been, okay, we're not, we're, if we're bunkering deep, we should have a fluid counterattack. I just haven't seen it, you know, it's been there in spurts. It's been there in spurts. Yeah. Um, But, you know, just not in the way, Um, you know, uh, the other thing I'll, I'll talk a little bit about, you know, uh, we were, I was texting with some people during the game on, on, on Friday. And one of the, the disappointing things was, you know, people were disappointed in Jay Keegan's performance. Um, and I was, I would say that we just weren't getting the ball to him. We weren't getting the ball from the midfield into the attack in, in good and productive ways. And I also think, you know, Sarakowski moved a little bit more, but that may have been Sarakowski's role, right? You want, you, one of the goals for, for a striker is, you need somebody occupying defenders, one moving them around and maybe one, you know, occupying them. So we don't know what his roles were. When he got, you know, chances, uh, he, he supplied a good cross I saw early in the second half, you know, things like that. So, you know, oftentimes, and we talked a little bit about this as well, you know, in our observations about James Milner on, on uh, Sunday, he had a rough day, probably should have got, got a red oh. card. Um <laughs> But, you know, he, he was clearly, and Phil Foden, you know, was clearly guilty of elder abuse. But um, one of the things that we saw in the second half is his situation improved. It was not perfect in the second half, mind, but his situation improved much more when the pressure of the midfield improved, right? When the, the midfield didn't have time to, uh, you know, ping balls. So o- often we just look at, and I think, this happened, and again, we're, I'm making reference to Liverpool because this is the team we both follow quite a bit. You know, this happens a lot to Trent Arnold, uh, Alexander Arnold's defensive qualities, right? Never mind that in many cases that's where teams are targeting because they know he's going to be the one getting forward. You know, oh, the goal came from his side of the pitch. Well, yeah, because they know that that's the side you want to counterattack on. And so, all too often we take a performance outside of the context in the team. And so one of the things, you know, I saw in, in Keegan's performance was he just wasn't getting the supply. Well, and that goes into, if you're going to bunker down, I mean, Jay Keegan's not going to be blistering dudes on pace. He's not going to beat guys with his speed or beat guys on the dribble. Like what he's, he's kind of more the, he's going to pop up. If you put the ball in the 18, he's going to pop up and he might have a chance. Or if you get in the ball out wide, he's going to be able to put in a cross. Like he needs to have the ball around the box. And if he doesn't, and if you're not having the ball around the box, he's not going to be effective. And that's not necessarily an indication to Keegan. Like, could he try and get the ball more? Sure. But it, it, I mean, Sierkowski was getting the ball and maybe that's the role. Like Sierkowski is kind of going to be the more target guy. He's going to be the one that gets the ball and be involved in the buildup while Keegan poaches or vice versa. I don't know, but 
it is kind of hard to say, you know, Keegan's not playing effectively when he is best suited as someone that needs to have the ball around the box and you don't get him the ball around the box. And that is an indictment of the midfield. And that's why I think that bunker down doesn't work for him. Yeah. Because he is not Gebhardt. He's not Tyler Allen. He's not going to get the ball or even know if it's on. Like he can't get the ball and just beat a guy. Like he is what makes Keegan so good is his moments where he picks to make the run and his ability to be relatively clinical. I mean, he, it seems to have abandoned him the last couple of weeks, but that's where Keegan's strengths are. It's not, I'm going to get the ball and I'm going to beat you off the dribble. Yeah. And I, I think there's yeah. that aspect of, well, and in order for that to work, the midfield, you have to push up. I think that's also the thing. They need to stop bunkering and start pushing up. Up. And if you're going to, and I, we saw at the beginning of the season, and I did complain about it, how all the goals were getting scored because the teams would counter and they would just get a long ball and someone would be there and they would beat Pato and Turbo and Gustavo for pace. But at the same time, they were creating a lot of pressure in the midfield. They're forcing teams to try and just yeet the ball forward. Now we're just letting teams have the ball and make the passes and create the chance to take more of the shots. And we're just hoping that we can block it. So there has to be more pressure from the midfield and from the attackers so that they can't just let the other team settle and connect the passes like we've been seeing. Yeah. No, I think, you know, one of the, you know, and we can look, break down these things over and over again, but I think we're going to obscure what I think is the most important uh, part that we have to discuss today, which is uh, Connor Tobin's facial hair. Um, and um, it changed. It, he, he, he went more with his, if you, if you have foot mob, uh, went more with his foot mob style in the picture, but he also the mustache went uh, more curling around. And maybe his cousin Dwayne Tobin, who's playing, maybe there was a last minute substitution. And then he's also slicking the hair. Um, I would say this gives him a definite "don't let him within fifty feet of a school" look. But you know, um, he may be driving around in a van, uh, a conversion van. I don't know, but it's it's an interesting look from from Connor Tobin. It's not a look I've seen. I feel like it perfectly suits him, though. It's weird because like I feel like Turbo's facial hair and hair in general, like the disheveled, like disheveled burly guy look, is what that like that is his image. Like that, like I get like if he came in clean shaven, I'd be like, who is this man? What are you doing here? That would make that would ring my alarm bells. On you should not be fifty feet within anything. You are terrifying me. But with the disheveled, burly look, I think it's working. I don't know. It's weird, but I feel I feel like it suits him. Would you would you call the new mustache a Fu Manchu? Is that what we would go with? I'm or not going that, that far. Maybe handlebar. handlebar. It's definitely not a Fu Manchu. It's too yeah. it's too thick to be a Fu Manchu. Like it's not Yeah. Like it, it's, yeah. Fu Manchu doesn't have the it's more like the the top continue, you know, you grow the upper hairs and that bring those down. This is solid all the way down. Um, yeah. It's not a it's goatee. It's kind of like. shaved out the middle. Yeah, I was going to um, say, not a goatee. It's almost like, I would say it's more evil Scandinavian. Like that is the vibe. Like I feel like if there was a Bond movie and the villain was a Scandinavian, like the villain's henchman was a Scandinavian dude, that's what I would picture. Um, speaking of evil Scandinavians, have you ever, did you ever see Lillehammer where, um, uh, uh, um, from the E street band, uh, he was in, uh, he was in, uh, the Sopranos as well. Um, 
he he uh, is a mobster who gets sent to Norway as part of re- witness a relocation. Uh, quality TV show from the mid to late 2000s, uh, Lil Hammer. Um, but, uh, you know, I, I like the Bond henchman. I think he's got a evil Bond henchman uh, kind of look to him. Um, uh, you know, you know, he ends up dead. Like the, the villain's like elaborate plan to kill Bond ends up backfiring in this. Like the, he gets kicked off the boat and into the shark infested water kind exactly. of thing. Yeah. Like I just see it. Like you see his like face, you know, screaming as as he gets eaten by the shark. Maybe maybe in a car chase, like the car yeah. flips and start and yeah, like explodes. Exactly. Yeah. Goes off the yeah exactly. Um, so, but uh, you know, yeah, I, I can see what you're saying. I, I I like the more like just pure Harry, but maybe he's you know he's clearly like the tactics trying to trying to change it up, just trying to you know liven it up, do a little something different. I can't blame him for this. Uh, final point, uh, look, we'd be remiss. Aaron Malloy had another heck of a game. I mean, there, there is no man in the match. I mean, the fact that the club didn't even post the poll asking it, I mean, granted it was kind of hard to pick one, but yes, it would have to be Aaron Malloy. And I can't really think of anyone else. Yeah. Um, and look, uh, he's a guy that very clearly, you know, uh, if we were taller, I think he'd be an MLS if, you know, if he was American. Yeah, exactly. If, uh, you know, he were Aaron uh, Masterson instead of Malloy, um, we'd be seeing him in MLS. You know, is that a is that a more American sounding name than Malloy? Um, we'd see him in MLS. Um, I hope he gets his chance. You know, again, um, I think he's he's a very talented player and and you know just really fun to watch. And and you know if you're watching these games, you know if things are starting to um, you know make you think about the end you know, focusing on Molloy because he's, he's really good. Um, I think, you know, he's a guy that has just, he's just been incredible. And so enjoy watching him while you have the chance would be my, my piece, you know, my contribution to all of this. Uh, anything else, Kyle, before we go, Henny Darby on Wednesday night, uh, you, you, you know, uh, on ESPN plus um, you're already kind of, clenching clenching um you know just fucking win this game i don't know it's getting (laughs) to the point where you can't draw your way into the playoffs you need to start getting wins this is a good place to start i mean what i would feel like i've said this in the past just fucking win but i feel like this is now it's one of those where before like a draw was not the worst case scenario like now it's you need to win there needs to be wins and there needs to be points collected because as the rest of the league is starting like greenville starting to get it together tucson is still a relatively this, hot team you know they just lost, like team you know over, over the last five matches they've been toronto's got a bunch of home matches and they cannot be beat at home like you need to start matching these other teams around you yeah no i i agree um but uh with that uh, like i've just Look, I'll be honest. I've given up on the playoffs. I'm trying to take it one game at a time. I'm trying to enjoy. I've given up on a home playoff game. I, I, don't, I haven't given up on it. No, I think a home playoff game is going to take a hot streak. I think a playoff. I think getting a playoff spot is still very realistic. If you can get three or four wins in these final games, you can get in the playoffs. Yeah. Um, it's still that close where 
a win gets you right back in it. Uh, A win gets you right back in it. We just haven't seen this team win on the road since May. So, you know, it's a little hoping against hope, I would say. Uh, you know, and as, as English football has taught us, it's the hope that kills. I got nothing uh, else to hope for. So let's go, let's go with it. Let, I got to hope for it. it. Yeah. Uh, until next time we say forwards, not backwards, upwards, not forwards, and always twirling. Twirling. twirling.